Good evening, everyone, and uh, hope you're enjoying your day. Welcome to the Block Talk Podcast, Heavenly Places. I'm your host, Jameer. Uh, this week, we're uh, talking about knowing your father. And um, actually, I think that's kind of uh, very significant for uh, the week that we're, we are upon, which is a uh, holy week. We actually have uh, tomorrow, Friday. Friday evening will be uh, the beginning of Passover, and of course, this Sunday is uh, Resurrection Sunday. So, uh, uh, a lot of uh, great things going on in uh, spiritual places or heavenly places, like my uh, podcast is called. And, um, I open up in our prayer, Father. I thank you for your wisdom, your kindness, your blessings this day, Father. Open our heart to understanding your word and understanding your promises, oh, Father. Direct us this day, God, and um, lead us, Father, as your children um, through your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, everyone, for who's called in and listening. <clears throat> and again, we're talking about knowing your Father. And, you know, um, just thinking about that topic and uh when I was writing about knowing your father, I actually thought about uh when I played musical instruments, actually I learned to play the uh, saxophone when I was in high school because I joined the band. And I remember spending hours and hours and hours with the saxophone, learning the notes and learning the different keys on the instrument. And uh, when I first started, it was, I mean, it was very, very horrible. Some of the uh, children, the kids in the neighborhood, they could hear the sound going through the walls, and they was was like, something is not right. But as the uh, months kind of went by throughout the the semester or the term, actually my uh, saxophone skills, though I was never like one of those top players, you can tell that there was a growth in it. And after the uh, after the time of um the class and the band and it was over I had to uh I kind of put away those things and a saxophone it actually kinda just sat there for a while, actually a, a long time and it kinda started collecting dust and I wanted to play it again and so I gotta pick it up but it it really wasn't you know how like they say you ride a bike. Well, this right here was something different because I've kind of like forgot the musical notes and some of the keys on it, and it was like all my knowledge of uh, what I w- once was playing and was very familiar with it just kind of went away. And uh, I say that uh, that sometimes we treat our relationship with our heavenly Father like that, you know, you know. Um, it's almost sort of like when we uh, first surrender or yield to our Father, uh, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and or even when we we uh, first become filled with the with the Spirit, you know. And uh, it was such a you think about your own personal experience. It was like seeing like such a, a joyous time, even like sometimes. You hear you hear believers or brothers and sisters reminiscing about what it was like when they be- first became citizens, 
or say we're citizens of the new kingdom, and it talks about how things are so much better and how how much they were learning and growing into the deeper truths that our father was giving them. And and just the different teachings, you know, about baptism. And even if you're familiar with the the Roman roles, which says all these scriptures and Romans, which is uh, talking about leading towards salvation, and all the other teachings that are that are first uh, introduced to you when you first become believe, believer. Even when you're reading the story of the prodigal son, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, how a story like that could bring tears to your eyes, especially to a believer that you have a someone, a father, d- despite everything you have done, it will love you like that. You know, but uh, sometimes when times, as time goes by, um, and along that path, we uh, somehow get stagnated and we... Uh, fail to move forward and pursuing our father or or chasing after him and, and desiring his word as greatly as we did when we first entered the kingdom and when we first got saved, you know. And many believers have uh, had that roadblock in their lives and it's not because they don't desire to be in the presence of their father but it's just because of uh, just other things coming in a way, and it, it kind of like almost like sort of creeps in without uh, you even knowing. And then you eventually have a relationship like I had with my saxophone where once I was playing it and I was kind of fluent with it, but then it was collecting dust. And that's what, how sometimes our uh, relationship with our father ends up. So that's what the, the study is tonight, how to prevent that from happening. Or if you're in that situation, okay, I want to, I want to go closer to my father. I want to pursue him or I want to have a greater, greater desire for him. That's what we're focusing on tonight, knowing your father. Um, so if you're, if you're in any situation that's close to that, this is a, perfect timing for you uh, to listen to this this evening. And what we're going to use is, uh, of course, we're going to use the scripture, uh, the written word of our Father, and also we uh, are going to use the Holy Spirit. We're going to allow him to minister to, towards us. And I like to compare almost like the uh, if you have a GPS or a navigation system in your car, like when you look at the physical map, the GPS, or even a, a map, I could kind of compare that to what's written. And then you hear the voices speaking through your GPS or navigation system. Uh, I, compare, I compare that to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that both of them looking at the map and the uh, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Though they're operating as one in unity, they're um, equal in importance, and I believe you need both of them to have a uh, complete picture, you know. So I want to think also think about this uh, as a GPS and navigation. I want you to think about it as a map, as a destination. So I'm trying to get you from one place to another place. And we do that through the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13 says, but when he, the Holy Spirit of truth comes, guess what? 
he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Um, so the Holy Spirit, you know, is kind of like our, our guide. He's like our voice. And our map is a written word, but we're going to look at a particular part of the map of the written word, and we're going to be referring to the temple of God or the temple of God. If you're familiar with that one, the uh, land of Israel, they actually had a temple, and it, uh, there was uh, three designated parts to the temple, you know. There's the uh, outer court, you know, there's the uh, there is the holies of holies. Those are the three parts of the uh, temple. And Moses um, was given a blueprint of this because actually there's one constructed in heaven by our father. And Moses was given a blueprint of that according to Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. It says, uh, did they serve at a sanctuary? It's talking about the uh, Jews, Hebrew. Uh, nation that they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So this is saying that the father actually showed them the pattern or design when they was up there on the mountain about how it should look. And this early temple, you okay, is actually uh, something that was happened in heaven. All right. So, with our Father, you know, we must realize that nothing happens by accident, but there's a purpose for everything. Um, even the, the, the divisions of the temple, the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies, um, they all have their purpose. Um, under the old covenant, uh, these three physical locations represent how close um, our fathers, chosen people, could come and move forward to him. Um, though this was not our father's original purpose, originally our father had planned to include the entire nation of Israel to have unrestricted access to every area within the temple. To every area within the temple, um, and you say, uh, "Well, how 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 can you know that?" Actually, it's in uh, Exodus chapter nineteen, verses five and six. It says, uh, "Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasure possessions, and although the whole earth is mine, you will be my kingdom of priests." And a holy nation, and these these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So this is something that is not just for one particular branch of the Israelites, but it's to the entire Israelites as a whole. But what happened? Because we know that uh, eleven of the twelve tribes rejected this gift by deciding to build a golden calf for the purpose of worship while Moses, while he was still on Mount Sinai, and this is coming from the chapter Exodus 32. So if you want to read that Exodus 32, the 11 tribes 
um, decided the bill just go to calf, and y'all probably seen that in, in the, the movies that were depicted, and you probably know it from your studies. And we know that our father, he hates idolatry and pagan rituals. So as a result, the 11 tribes that participated in that worship, they forfeited the gift of being priests, leaving only the tribe of Levi to enter the temple beyond the holy, I mean, beyond the outer court. So only the tribe of Levi was given the privilege because they didn't participate in the worship of the golden calf. Now, these three locations we've been referring to so far as physical, but I also believe they're spiritual in the sense that they can represent our relationship with our Father. They uh, can show us where we are and, and where we need to be and where we're going. And let's begin uh, in the outer court. Now, in the outer court, it's, it's accessible to all, including the Levites, who were the priestly class, the high priests. So the Jews and the Gentiles, everyone could be an outer court. Everyone was welcome. The outer court was uh, designated as a place for those who had access to worship our Father. Uh, was uh, it basically was it was uh, for everyone. So what was going on in the outer court? Uh, uh, sacrifice sacrificial animals. Um were sold out and actually some pretty not good things going on in the outer court. When it was selling these animals, they was actually selling them at a higher price they were and the money changers, the people who was uh actually selling the money and exchanging the money, they was taxing the people in exchange for currency and um we have to remember that the purpose for worship, um this right here is one of the reasons why Jesus was, was so mad. But the purpose for worship is not so that uh, man can profit financially, but so that we can profit spiritually. Um, that, and Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, Matthew 21, verse 13, uh, he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. This is Jesus. But you have made it a den of thieves because it was an out of court robbing people and just doing things that are that, that is not what our father is calling us to do. And basically the out of court in a sense it became intertwined with the world. And I believe this is a a spiritual representation of maybe someone in the body of Christ. Because I I believe many believers, you know, many believers, they only know our father in an out of court fashion. Um, what I mean by these these out of court believers, they're saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our high priest. But they're greatly influenced by the world, you know. And and there's areas in my life that I could be that same way. But as a whole, there's I believe there's a group of people out there that are brothers and sisters in Christ that are like that. On the outside, they attend worship service, and they do what all good believers do. However, their hearts do not see or know the glory of the Father. They don't know. There's something about it that they're not experiencing. Um, John chapter 14, verse 17 says, The spirit of truth, and this is talking about the world, 
cannot accept them because it neither sees them or know them. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So in John fourteen seventeen is talking about a type of people, but this is talking about the world, people of the world. They can't see him or know him, but I believe there's also believers who can't see him or know him, not because they don't want to, but because they're so intertwined in the world, their focus is a little bit off. Um, scripture, I believe, it gives us an example of, uh, I believe, uh, different individuals who had an outer court relationship with our father. And one of the ones that actually comes to mind is uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Now, we know this uh, this story, is a very familiar story. In Acts 5, we see the story of Ananias and his wife who decided to sell sell their possessions and give them <clears throat> and give them to the church leaders to use the Lord's work. <clears throat> As many believers, that's what they were doing at that time. They were selling all their possessions so they could be used by the Lord. And uh, although we see this happening in chapter five, actually, we had to look into chapter four because in that chapter, chapter four, Acts. Acts chapter 4, it will give us a complete story of Ananias. You see, in chapter 4, Barnabas had received all this praise, you know, because he was selling all his possessions and giving all that he had to our Father in heaven and to men. And I believe Ananias and his wife decided to follow Barnabas' example because they, they seen everything that was going on and how he was getting these praises. However, they sold their property for one price, but they actually gave Peter less. And they, what the problem was is that they said they had given everything that they had, like Barnabas, but they was lying. And our father, you know, they, you know, right. So given is one of the duties of all of believers, whether it's uh, through um, gifts, you know, financial gifts or giving of your time, giving of your skill, uh, the work that he has blessed you with, even giving of, of your prayer life, praying for others. That's, those are ways of giving. However, uh, you know, giving is not always a good thing depending on your motive, you know, uh, just for example, uh, from one of my uh, own personal experiences, I had um, a cousin that came to me and it was, uh, basically they was mad at her friends. And I was asking what's going on. And they said, well, they, they gave me this television. And I was like, okay, they gave a television. It can be nothing wrong with that if someone's giving you a television. But what happened was that her friends had a yard sale and they couldn't get rid of everything. And this television, well, the actually television had some problems with it. It it wouldn't work properly in how it was designed. So the people were selling it. Well, actually, it was kind of junk to them. So they didn't want it. So they gave it to, to someone who was thinking it was a great deal. And then they was like, basically, they was bragging about how they blessed her. But in reality, they was just really trying to rid the things and take their burden away from themselves and also take credit where there's no credit that's due. And I know some some of you uh, 
out there that's listening might have been in the same situation where something like that has happened to you. And that's where giving is uh, not what it appears or it seems to be. So on the outside, everything looked okay, but their hearts tell a different story. And much like Ananias and Sapphira, you know, we have to check and see what our motivation is for giving, you know. And by contrast, we can go back to, again, of course, to Acts chapter 4, where Barnabas' reason for giving so much was not so that he would receive praises from people. He just wanted to bless the kingdom of our Father and the people of our Father, his brothers and sisters, you know. Um, Something rooted deep within the Spirit prevented Ananias and his wife from relinquishing all that they had, you know. And that's unfortunate. And and this made them unable to press into the deeper things of our father. And and they gave out of their surplus, but out of their not out of their hearts. They wanted it to be perceived the same way that Barnabas was perceived, even if it meant guess what? Deceiving our father in man. However, it takes more than external actions to know our Father. Um, Our Father measures our relationship with Him by our heart, you know. And it's important for us, you know, we have to examine and look at our own self and our own ambitions and motivations because on the outside, you can be doing something that looks so good and so great and so awesome and so worthy, but the inside is it's missing something. You know, Jesus told the disciples a, a similar story in uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. And he was basically that story in Mark chapter 12. He compared the gold and the silver of many rich people who I gave to the temple in large amount to a poor widow. And y'all know this one who gave two copper coins worth less than a penny, you know, now, if you measure the gift on the scale and you place them in a bank account, in every case, the widow, you know what, she would have given less. But to Jesus, it was her heart that mattered. It was her heart. And she gave all that she had, whereas the rich people gave out of their service, meaning what they could easily spare, you know. <clears throat> It's like this saying, you know, you ever heard that saying, it's the thought that counts. Like when a child, they spend all day making a card for his father. It might have some misspellings. Uh, it might have some cuts, and it might have some disproportions in it, and it might even still have some glue, and some of the stuff might be unreadable. However, when the father sees his card, you know what? It's the most beautiful thing he ever received. The father knows that uh, not even... You know, the great company Hallmark who makes the cars, they couldn't even make a gift greater than that. Our father, you know what, he used the card in this way because our father, he knows that when we as children, we put our best in it. You know, he knows that, uh, and even the child, he the father knows that the child has put his best in it. He knows that the talent his child possesses, you know, and when you add all these elements in there, you know, it just makes it just makes the card even more valuable, almost kind of like priceless, you know. 
And this is a, it's the same comparison to our father in the parable of the poor widow. Jesus says they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of their poverty. She put everything in it, all that she had to live on. The rich people in the story, guess what? They had an outer relationship with the father similar to Ananias and his wife. But the widow is an example of someone who had something very intangible or something more. Now, not everyone who has an out-of-court relationship with our father is like Ananias or Sapphira, <clears throat> Sapphira or the rich, satisfied with themselves and unwilling to go any further. Um, I've talked, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but many saints in the outer court, they're, they're trapped in a man-made labyrinth, and they long to please our Father, but in a sense they get trapped in there because they're confused, and it's sort of like an invisible line has been drawn that says that you can't cross that line. But our Father, you know, he didn't create no line like that that says you cannot cross that line. And I, I believe this line is there is because of the teachings, some of the teachings that are going out or have been going out for a long time, the teachings that they have been taught, and I believe they have limited their relationship with the Father, and they're basically based on nothing that's scriptural, but they're man-made traditions. And this man-made, what I call labyrinth, makes it impossible to press into the deeper things of our Father, and I believe it stunts the growth of many. However, the purpose of this teaching, I believe, even besides the teaching, I believe now that uh, time is coming where our Father, where he's not going to allow this any longer, um, and not just because I'm on here teaching or whatever, but I believe the Holy Spirit is doing everything he can right now that this labyrinth is trying to break it down, um, the nations, you know. Um you know that uh, a long, long ago, you know there was a um, a nation of people. You know what, and they really loved our Father. And guess what? I'm not talking about the Jews, but guess what? They were chosen, but they were stuck in the labyrinth. And I believe in their hearts, they wanted to please the Father, but. This nation of people, I believe, they were so confused that they didn't know that they didn't even know their um I'm sorry, they didn't know their left hand or their right hand from their left hand. And uh, y'all know that nation of people um is recorded in Jonah chapter four, verse eleven. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and also many animals. You see, the people of Nineveh, their spiritual discernment was off. And you can tell that by their actions, that they was worshiping all these things. Their actions expressed confusion. But I believe in their heart was a desire to please the Father. That's why he sent Jonah. Um, and we know what happened with Jonah. They, the whole nation repented because they wanted to really please him and serve him. You know, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says uh, that he, talking about our Father, has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in a human's heart. Yet no one can fathom what our Father has done from beginning 
to the end. So, in fact, I believe the desire is placed within the hearts of all men, but only a few yield to this desire of moving beyond the outer court, you know, and pressing in. Even after hearing the ro- ro- uh, word, um, another scripture is Romans chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. It says, since, <clears throat> excuse me, since what may be known about about <clears throat> excuse me about our Father is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since create excuse me for since the creation of the world, our Father's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so the people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. That's Romans 1, verses 19 through 22, a very familiar passage. So in this case... We have our father who sent Jonah to confirm his word and the desire placed in their hearts, the people of Nineveh. And once the word was preached and they understood that our father truly wanted, what our our father truly wanted from them, guess what? The people of Nineveh repented. And many of us today, you know, we like to, kind of look down on people in Nineveh or even a layman who asked Peter for a few dimes, but we're no better than him. Our father through Peter have more to offer, you know. The the, the um, layman, he just wanted pennies, but we know what he ended up getting, you know. Um, a miracle. And he gave this man the power to walk and possibly you know, many of us, I know I myself, I can relate to the people in Nineveh and a lame man because my life is, it has been a mirror of theirs, you know. I was um, a Christian, but I, something was missing. My spiritual senses were dulled, my vision was blurred, and I could not neither see or taste the goodness of our Father. You know, but part of my ability, I believe, was due to the things which people had taught me that it was impossible or that I didn't qualify to partake in those things. Then there were times in my life where I didn't try myself or I didn't know where to begin. Um, the, tra- the traditions of man have placed, in a sense, you know, it may be ineligible. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, when we have a, a mighty teacher, minister, or prophet come to town, we want to see them, and I want to see them also. But that same revelation and insight and power, did they move through the Holy Spirit? You can operate in those same gifts, the same teaching, the same healing, the same miracle powers that they do. You don't have to wait for them to come into your town or on your on your television station. But sometimes we feel ineligible within ourselves and I know for a long time sometimes I I still feel like that but I don't feel like that as much so now because I 
the Holy Spirit gave me this revelation. It's almost like a door blew open. So I just want to encourage you that you in, the, in this place don't be discouraged because many believers have gone on to have a deeper relationship with our Father who have also been um, here and stuck and out of court. Um, you remember the, the young Samuel who ministered before the Lord he had an out-of-court relationship with the Father and nothing more. However, late one night, our Father began to call him to a deeper relationship, just like he's calling us. Remember, um, Samuel kept on going to Eli. This is recorded in First Samuel chapter 3. And Samuel kept on waking up because he heard the Father call him, saying, Samuel, Samuel, but Samuel thought it was Eli, so... He kept on calling Eli, and then Eli discovered that it was actually the Lord talking to the Lord talking to Samuel. So he said, "Next time you hear the voice say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening.'" So um, when Eli, um, when I, when uh, next time Samuel heard the father say that, guess what? Samuel was pulled into uh, a deeper relationship with our father, and this takes us to the next part which is the uh, the inner court. You know, so we have been on outer court so far. Now we're into the uh, inner court. And the inner court is uh, something special, you know. It's like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, let's see, let me find my place, I'm sorry. Only, uh, okay, there we go. So in the temple of our Father, there there's a special place. We have the inner court and the holies of holies. And only the high priests and the Levites were allowed to enter the holy place or the most holy place or someplace called the, the holies of holies. And it was off limits to everyone else. So the priests entered to this part of the temple. Guess what? Every morning and every evening, and they offer morning incense and the evening incense. And these represented prayer, worship, and communion to our Father. Yet in the inner court, our Father still measures our relationship by our heart. Um, in First Samuel, Eli and his Eli had sons, and uh, they had access, you know, as the honor of access in the inner court since they were Levites and Eli's high priests. And having access to the inner court, it was basically their birthright. However, Eli, and is particularly, especially his sons, they took it for granted. And they were very wicked. Lord, uh, Actually, first Samuel chapter 2, verse 21 says, uh, the Lord was gracious to Hannah. Okay, that's talking, talking about uh, Samuel. I'm sorry, that's the, the wrong scripture. Um. Um. The um. um uh, actually, that is the right scripture. I'm just reading. First Samuel, I got the wrong. Got it mixed up. Sorry. First Samuel chapter two, verse twelve, not twenty-one. Two verse twelve. It says that Eli's son. This is the NIV version. Eli's sons were scoundrels, and they had no regard for the Lord. You know. Um. Eli. Also, he had a lack of reverence and fear of the Lord because you can tell by his reaction to the words 
of Samuel when he said, when when Samuel had uh, basically prophesied Eli's death, Eli simply responded by saying, he's the Lord, let him do whatever's good in his eyes. So basically he was, he was not really repentant. He was not fearful and he was very nonchalant, you know. So we can look at their lives and learn from them and try to avoid having our heart hardened to the Lord like that and avoid staying only in the outer court and pressing towards an inner court relationship with our Father. And if you want to have this type of access, you know, it's going to cost you. Jesus said, uh, take take up your cross or whatever, you know. It's going, to, it's going to cost you, you know. But guess what? Whatever it's going to cost you, it's worth it. It's worth the price, and it's worth leaving the things of the world. Um, and the good news is, is I believe it's only a, a few steps required. But the bad news is, you know what? These steps, I believe, are immeasurable. But actually, that might be actually good news, too, because each of us, you know what? We hold a special place in our Father's heart, and this means the steps that I take to the inner court or to the holy place may not necessarily take you there, you know. But the steps you take to enter into the presence of the Father, it might not take me there. So we both have different paths, but they're going to the same place through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to our Father in heaven. But however, one thing that I can tell you that is required for all of us to enter is actually... Uh, David wrote it in Psalms 24, verse 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and his wife, they swore deceitfulness and their heart from the start. They held back with their hands, and this led them to lifting up their soul to vanity. A pure heart is essential to enter in the holy place. Individuals like David, they confuse some people on their sister because, you know, David is known as a man after God's own heart, but he was guilty of what? Coveting, stealing another man's wife, not honoring his father and mother by his behavior, you know. I mean, it said some people say that I guess David broke nearly half the commandments in his adultery with uh, Bathsheba, and then his murder, and then also, of course, the murder of her husband. So David had a right heart, but at that time he committed many sins, which our father, of course, you know, he eventually. I mean, he forgave them, you know. Um, so it's kind of confusing. Okay, what's going on? You know, I remember one time a family member, they was uh, reading the Bible, and they was like, I, I thought uh, everyone in the Bible was uh, perfect, you know. But all of us, you know, um, all of us, you know, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all of us, are, none of us is perfect. We all fall falling short of the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So, in a sense, no person ever will be born. Actually, it's not a sense. It's a very true statement. Whoever possesses a clean state 
And this is when we must look inward to the holy place because this is where our Father looks. Um, Psalms chapter 51, we see uh, our Father, what he saw in David. And we we can see the invisible. You know, despite our outward actions, you know, when our Father, he still searches the heart of man. And in David's case, he found a heart that truly desired relationship with him above all things. And the same is true for, true with us. Our actions, you know, sometimes don't necessarily can reflect within our heart, though that might seem like a uh, contradiction. This is one reason, you know what, while we have to judge ourselves and our own hearts, we need only pray to our Father and let our Father deal with those who reflect his image, you know, no matter how distorted, pure. And I'm just basically talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ who who um who are falling short of dealing with different issues. We have to pray for them, you know, that they would get right with our Father. But as we as we deal with our own self and our own issues, you know, um, Psalms twenty four says uh, that our outward actions, you know, are, is related to our heart. So, for example, we clean, we type, we steal, we bless, and curse with our hands. You know, we can do all those things with our hands. But the but um, all of these things are um, actually not originating from our hand. They're actually uh, coming from our heart. Uh, Luke, Luke 6, verse 45 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stirred up in his heart, and an evil man brings forth evil things out of good stirred up in his heart. For the mouth speaks with the heart is full of. So a similar statement can be made about our hands. You know, out of the abundance of our out of the abundance of our heart, the hands do. So we see this an example of Cain killed Abel with his hand because of the jealousy in his heart. Abel made an acceptable gift because of his desire to please the Father, and that's, of course, in Genesis chapter 4. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our heart convincing our hands to do? And this is what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. But I tell you, anyone who uh, looks at a man, I mean, looks at an old man, of course, too, but a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, you know. So it's talking about what? Our heart once again. So as we seek our Father and and we purify our hearts through forgiveness and growth, a pure heart and clean hand leads to the inner court, you know. You know, there's a Pharisee mentioned in the Bible who was able to enter the inner court. And he was a very humble man who feared the Lord. We know him by the name of Nicodemus. He was uh, one of the ruling bodies of Israel, and he was a very highly respected teacher of the Old Testament scriptures. And because of the conversations he had with our Savior Jesus, this is recorded in John 3, all who hear the questions, and Jesus' words are able to learn the way to salvation. Just think about that. So all these questions that Nicodemus 
was asking, like, how can one be born again? When Nicodemus was asking all these questions about salvation, because of that conversation and inquisitive by Nicodemus, we, uh, many, many years later, benefited from this man's humility, humble heart, and his desire to be in an inner court relationship, a holy, a holy relationship with the Father, because he he wanted more than just an out of court relationship, and that was by his actions. Actually, um, in John chapter seven, verses fifteen and fifty-one, Nicodemus had gone to Jesus early. <clears throat> he had gone to Jesus early. And he was one of the ones of the own number. He asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And uh, this is basically uh, talking about how Nicodemus, you know, has uh, kept on um, pursuing the presence of Jesus and pursuing the Father so he can he can learn more. You know, you can't be judging people just because of traditions, so he didn't let his peers, his position, a lack of sleep, or man's tra- traditions deter him. So he was going, waking up early, you know, to uh, see him. Or I think, believe he was working late at night. So as soon as he got off, I think early in the morning, he would go to see him as soon as he can. That was representing the inner relationship and a court relationship with the father. And with something, again, that I want to emphasize, you must continually seek him. We can be tricked into thinking we have arrived after doing this for a few weeks, but we have to remember it's, it's a uh, daily pursuit. We must continually find a way to make time and fellowship with the Father. I mean, it's so essential, especially in these days. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about the holies of holies. And this is where I believe all of us should be. So in a tabernacle, there was a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And no ordinary person could go beyond the veil and enter into the sacred room. Only the high priest was allowed to enter into this place. And guess what? That was only once a year on a day of atonement for the purpose of making a sin offering for the whole nation of Israel so they could be forgiven. In the holies of holies, our Father would manifest himself. He would appear as a pillar of cloud and fire in the very presence and power of our Father for our present within this holies of holies. In the Old Testament, we have Aaron, Zechariah, and Zadok, Z-A-D-O-K, they were just a few of the high priests who were able to enter into the most holy place. Um, there was a very thick veil, which I talked a little bit about earlier, a very thick veil which separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court. And this veil had a very special design. It's in the message to everyone who looked at it. It had a cherubim actually on it, a uh, heavenly creature, an angel. And on the veil it served as a symbol to sinful man that they were unable to enter into the holies of holies. And this creature reminded them of an angel with a flaming sword that was uh, guarding the tree of life that's talked about in Genesis chapter 3, three verse 24. But unlike Eden, 
the high priest could enter into this place after sprinkling of the blood sacrifice in the altar. Actually, Scripture says that the, the high priest can enter the holies of holies. Um, yet there are many, I believe, who entered the holies of holies place. I believe Abraham, Paul, David, Moses, John the Apostle, and Denver, and I'm sorry, not Denver, Daniel all entered this place. And these mighty saints went through the veil and entered the most holy place. And what makes this even more interesting is how they entered the most holy places. Because some of the, these uh, names that I mentioned, the holy place or the tabernacle, the temple, it was yet to be built or it had been destroyed. Yet in each case, none of these men qualified to enter the holy place. So none of them was high priests. But how were they all, Abraham, Paul, David, Moses, John, and Daniel, um, I believe, yeah, Daniel, were able to enter this uh, holy of holies, you know, the holy place. And that's because we can't think of the holy of holies as a really a geographical location. Because if we do, we're never going to go beyond the veil. The most holy place, you know what? No, it doesn't really have any borders. Because you know what? It's in heaven. But yet, it's on earth. It can be in a restaurant. It can be in a football stadium. It can be in a chapel. Or it can be in the Appalachian Mountains. Paul wanted the holies of holies in the desert of Arabia, though Apostle John encountered, encountered it on the Patmos Islands, and Daniel was able to abide in the most holy place while living in Babylon. And Abraham, guess what? He experienced it in a country he did not know. King David was able to go beyond the veil continuously without animal sacrifices. Because what I'm speaking about is not a physical location. All these great men knew a secret that Jesus would reveal to his disciples concerning communion with our Father and the holies of holies. Actually, King David wrote about it, about it in Psalms 91. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place, you know, that's another name for the holies of holies. The secret of communion with our Father it's um, not a geographical location, nor do you need a, a special title to access it. But the Holy of Holies, you know, is within you, according to Jesus, what he says in uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 21, the kingdom of God is within you. What does this mean? Um, you know, this is, uh, this is, Jesus said many mysterious things, but this scripture right here seems very mysterious. It means to recognize that uh, the divine that's within you are not divine like some spacey, new age type of thing, but divine, what I mean, actually the very presence of our Father that's in you, you know. Jesus desires us to understand the Father in that way, and the Father also does too. And it's not 
it's very interesting because it's, it's like how can our father, you know, the kingdom be within us? How can the finite contain the infinite? You know, how, how can that be? You know, our father, you know what? He's beyond measure. Um, it's something that's uh, actually perplexing to try to explain. You know, we have theologians. They try to explain it with all the Hebrew and Greek, which I enjoy and listen to them trying to explain it. Because I, myself, I try to come to the same understanding that they do. And after a while, I've realized there's some things I, I just can't grasp the understanding of, you know. But we, what I, what I, what I come to the conclusion of is that that we had to become like children, you know, to pursue our father. Because many, many of the other things that your parents, when they uh, are trying to tell you and explain you to these things, like okay, how how long is it going to take us to get us? They can say two hours, but when you're a kid, two hours can be forever. You don't know how long that's going to be with the mind of a kid. So. And our father, I believe he's trying to explain things, and we do have the mind of Christ, but we still have to come to him in innocence, you know. We have to come to him in innocence, and that's how, that's our path, you know, to the holies of holies. And how we can uh, make ourselves innocent is we do this by reading the written word of God, declaring the prophetic word of God, um, also worshiping our Father. All of these things move us closer and closer to the holy place. You know, those, those are the keys to get us uh, closer and closer to the holy place. Um, also, uh, uh, one more scripture is uh, where I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, that I kind of lost it. I lost scripture. I think I actually hit the wrong button. Oh, here we go. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. And this is talking about Jehoshaphat, you know. And he appointed seniors and leaders uh, when they were going into battle. And, you know, this is talking about going into the, the uh, holy place while you're in battle. And it says, uh, I'll read it to you. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Another one is Acts chapter 16 where uh, Paul, you know, they have a worship service basically in prison. Paul and Silas, they begin to sing praises to our father. And guess what? A great earthquake came, and the prison doors opened, and they were loose from their chains. So when you begin to get into this most holy place, and when you pursue our Father, the power of our Father will manifest and break through. And it opens spiritual windows and doors. And when you worship, you allow your Father, our Father, to intervene on your behalf and that's what we want. That's actually the whole point and purpose of this lesson is uh, to know our Father through this individual steps that we must take and not be satisfied with whatever we're doing now. And even for me, not to be satisfied for what I'm doing now, because this, this is lesson is just not for me, myself, but also 
I mean, it's not just for you, but it's it's for me too, you know, because I need to pursue the Father more. I need to love him more. I need, I need to worship him more. And these are all keys and ways and, and methods that I'm giving you um, to lead you to knowing the Father. And um, that's where we'll we'll end tonight. So I, I hope that you uh, learned something or you can uh, pull from one of the scriptures that I left you with that will guide you uh, from the outer court, move you to the inner court, and move you into the holies, the holies to the most holy place, which is beyond the veil, which which uh, he is anxiously awaiting. And even if you're not in that place yet, guess what? He's going to meet you where you're at, but he's going to pull you, or not pull you, but beckon you and, or draw you into more intimate uh, fellowship with him. Um, so I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening this evening. Um, uh, uh, um, Dorothy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So our whole our whole journey with Father is to eventually get our hands and hearts clean through the blood of Jesus so we can enter into the Holy of Holies. Yes. Yes, it's it's um sometimes we look at it as a, a one time experience but it it's a continual cleansing process. We cannot forget and we can only be cleansed through the precious blood of Jesus and we do that by um reading his word, meditating on his word, meditating on on his goodness and mercy towards us and worship and prayer. <laughs> oh, it seemed like um, whenever I've I, I read many books um, on uh, growing closer to the Lord, not saying that I'm an expert, but in each one of those books, they all have different ways that they, that they talk about knowing God or knowing the Father and getting closer to him. But basically the three things that they always say is you got to pray, you got to worship, you got to read the word. So, but it, it's it's fun and interesting to, to see their experiences, individual experiences, how they got there. So, it's if um, I guess what I'm saying, if you if you want to purchase individual books, that's basically what you're purchasing is how they got there themselves. But basically, if you don't want to purchase a book, if you just read the Bible yourself, you pray and worship. Guess what? You'll you'll get there too. But it might be actually faster if you purchase one of those books of someone who who's uh, f- familiar with you and your experience and your background. They they actually are got some very good keys and tips in them. For me, the teachers like uh, um, Derek Prince is uh, a very great teacher, and um, even some of the other programs that uh, Dorothy Carruthers has on on the uh, Block Talk. They're they're great. Also, I listen to them too. So. Yes. So basically, spending time with Father gets us there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also have yeah. a lot of the older preachers on my YouTube channel. I'm user uh, D Churchy One, and the reason I use Church has nothing to do with our man-made church here. It's just that it was my maiden name, so. <laughs> <laughs> So it's D C H U R C H Y one, 
that is my username on YouTube, and I have taken great pains to pull in all the old teachers that had that truth that they were, you know, within their own generation that they were trying to put out there. So that's another source as well, and that's free. So. Yes. Yes, free is good. <laughs> free is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so please, if, if y'all are get a chance to please check out the, that YouTube channel because it's plenty of excellent free materials. And even if you have, like, cable, many teachings you hear on television, not trying to say anything really bad about them, but you, some of the older teachers... I believe they had more substance than the other ones, and even more than myself that they know. So I, I really get a lot out of them. So, um, I and I've also everyone. got um, hind feet in high places on there. So yeah, that's one of the oldies, the goodies. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for calling call in, tuning in. The blog talk, and also tuning in on the Vivo or YouTube or SoundCloud. Um, I believe there's a couple other ones. Um, I'll, I'll close out with a prayer. Um, I want everyone to have a, a great weekend. Remember, it is Resurrection Sunday and also Passover begins Friday evening. I want to offer this feast, and it actually goes on for a week. Um, so, of course, we should always, always want to uh, pursue them and focus on them. But if you can, whatever you was uh, doing last week, try to get closer to us, towards him and know more about him this week. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings and promises and mercy, O oh Father. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for saving our friends, our family, our loved ones, our neighbors, our co-workers, Father, Lord. Or um, even our waiters at the store, Father Lord, or the person who's traveling before us sometimes is so bad. Um, Father, give us good dreams, give us peaceful sleep, oh Father. I speak, I speak healing, Father Lord, um, to the people who's listening, Father Lord, and their bodies and their minds and souls, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, to every cell, Father Lord, um, every bone, cartilage tissue, any system. Good circulatory system, respiratory system, any system in the body that it would be repaired and amended um, and healed, Father Lord. Vision, um, thinking, whatever it may be, autoimmune diseases, um, we demolish any plans of the enemy. We uh, speak total healing because your, your word says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement, the blood of peace. What's upon you, my your stripes, we are healed. I thank you for your healing. And I thank you for your blessings. And we thank you for your love. In the Lord's name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank thank you so much. And, um, thank you, Dorothy. <laughs> and uh, well, I guess I will be hearing from Dorothy here next week. Yes. What is the topic next week? Next week is, I think, the secret place. The secret place. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So everyone have a blessed week till we see you again. And 
goodness, I just lost my train of thought. Good night, <laughs> Jameer. Have a nice night. night. <laughs> you too. All right. Bye.